All right, race fans, you got Ryan Aho and the Bert Lehman bringing you episode 56. Can you believe it, Bert? 56 episodes. Pretty soon we're going to be saying 100, but that's a little ways off. <laughs> Let's see if you can how put many, up that how, long. how many episodes do we have to do before we move into syndication? That's oh, where the real money is. I think we need to put another zero <laughs> behind that. I think, I think if we get to like you know 560 i think then maybe you know but uh yeah i think uh, we'll just stick to having some fun right uh, now. I, i'm sure i'm sure that. puka's already on the watchful eye on that hey i'm thankful for puka it's thanksgiving week and i'm thankful for puka we'll, we'll do the show and he can try to figure out a way to make all that stuff work i just want to talk race and i told him from the beginning i'm like if nobody listened to this thing ever and we just got to talk racing for an hour every week, I'd be golden because I could talk racing all day, every day, just like all the people listening to a racing show. I think you know what I mean. So um, definitely uh, just had a, having a blast doing this deal. But episode 56, and uh, let's get after it here. Let's, uh, let's start with a week in review. And I've been doing this for a little while now. <clears throat> you know, Keith, we'll start with your, we'll start with your buggies, all right? We'll start with your buggies. Uh, what really, honestly, proved to be the most exciting racing of the entire week and uh, is actually the USAC Midgets. Now, I'm trying to be politically correct. I don't call them USAC Midgets. We call them USAC Little Cars. I, I don't know what to do there. We'll just call them USAC Midgets. That's what they say. Um, I'm guessing at some point, um, somebody's going to come down on them. They're going to have to change the name because that's just disrespectful. Um, kind of, you know, we'll, we'll just let them figure that out. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't pick on the short people. I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Me too. I'm, I'm, uh, I always said, people said, man, you know, you're a little chunky there. You're a little overweight. No, I'm not overweight. I'm, I'm not. I'm just like a foot too short for my weight. <laughs> that's all. That's all that is. So, you know, midgets here, they actually started on Tuesday they had the November Classic over in Bakersfield. And if that was the only race I could have watched all week, man, that was good. That was good. I'm talking about like the slide job fest of slide job fest. Buddy Coy, Betty, uh, Buddy Kofoy, you USAC people know exactly who that is. I heard the name, don't know much about him, but he was teammates with uh, young money Kyle Larson in this. And they chucked some sliders there, Burton. I'll be honest. Uh, Young money might have been a little aggressive. I mean, he's chucking sliders and giving his teammate the right rear and punting him up the track. I'm like, this is pretty good. It was, it was exciting. It was fun to watch. But Colfoyd came out on top. Did you get a chance to watch any of that? <clears throat> no, I didn't get a chance to watch any of that. I had a lot of stuff pop up this week that normally I wouldn't have to worry about. Um, but when I was uh, checking out Facebook, I noticed uh, there are quite a few comments from uh uh, race friends that I have on Facebook that said, oh, you, you got to be watching this, these midget races. I mean, and some of these comments are coming from, I know, diehard late model fans. Jonathan so. Powers, right? Jonathan <laughs> yeah, Powers that was one. He put, he put it on there. I'm like, all right, if Jonathan Powers, he is like, <laughs> him and dad are all in on late model racing. If they're like talking about like, you got to watch this, that should get your attention right there, for sure. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, like I said, I didn't get a chance to watch any of it, but, you know, I like to watch the, the major cars, you know, every now and then when they're on, um, you know, it's something different and, you know, they put on, you know, obviously they put on a great show. I, I mean, and, you know, I watched uh, three, three different race events this week and they're all late model events and they weren't that 
we'll get to those later. But yeah, uh, I'm wishing I would have watched some of the midget action. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you can still can. I mean, you have flow. So if you jump on flow yeah. racing, you know, they have uh, kind of a neat deal. They have they have all the races, but they also have it broke down to features and they have it also broke down to like some highlights and stuff like that. So jump on the flow racing. I mean, all late model fans, you obviously have flow because that's dirt on dirt now. And uh, you'll be able to catch that if you missed it. Now, Friday, Saturday, Bert, they stayed in California. They went to Merced and that was the USAC Midget National Champion. 53 cars, 53 cars in attendance for that. Night one, went to TMAS. And the only reason I know this thing is I went to a, I went to a race in Sycamore, Illinois, and I saw TMAS there and he put on the show. He didn't even race it. He came from dead last, won that deal. I mean, he made him look stupid. And he, he won night number one. Night number two, he went from hero to zero because he ended up upside down. His night was done after that. But uh, Tanner Thorson, um, he, he's a talented race car driver. He ended up winning that deal. And uh, boy, that was a good race. I mean, they were swapping back and forth. And, you know, Kyle Larson, really, of them two races, wasn't all that impressive. He got a ninth and a fourth. So, Keith, I'm sorry. I know I know you're dating. I know it's your boyfriend. I know. I, I mean, I'm going to call you a pit lizard because I think you have a little man crush there on Kyle Larson. But he is human. He got a second, a ninth, and a fourth over the weekend, which I mean, you jump in a car and compete. I mean, it's still good, but I'm kind of got used to seeing him win, right? Now, the points. Now, here's something I'm not sure about. <clears throat> Maybe one of our listeners can post in the comments. Is I don't know if the points went all the way through the, the final show here or if it was done or if they just had championship weekend. We saw that with some late models where they had like championship night, but there was no points. I don't know how that worked. All I do know is Chris Windham, won the USAC Midget National Championship by one point over Sunshine Tyler Courtney. So the, the point battle in that deal was pretty impressive. I honestly wish I would have known that going in because it would have kind of give me – I'm a points guy, right? So I, it would have kind of drawn me towards that if I would have known that. But I didn't know about that. So that's something I guess we have to make a list of all these different series and kind of keep track of that next year as the series has come to an end. Because for me, that's fun. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, we kind of talked about this this uh, last week a little bit where, you know, it kind of seems like, you know, some drivers don't care about points uh, as much as in the past. But, you know, I think a good points battle really adds to the program. I mean, I, you know, if, if at a weekly track, I always like to be there the final week and I'm always hoping that the drivers are within striking distance you know so not one of those cases where you just have to start the race and you win the championship you know I, I like I like watching a race where okay if this car finishes two spots ahead of this one you know you know you know stuff like that and you know it changes lap by lap yeah you're exactly right I remember you know I've had a few of them deals myself in racing but even when I was done racing I remember one year it was I believe it was these three drivers. I think it was Kurt Myers, Dave Moss, and I think maybe Timmy Johnson were all like within one point of winning the national championship in the Wasota Superstocks. And they had a, I don't think it was called the pumpkin race at that time. I think they had a different name for it, but it was that Mississippi Thunder. And I went there specifically because I'm like, I was drawn in. I'm like, I wanted to see who was going to be the national champion here. So, so I'm with you. I mean, I really enjoy that. And, it's something to kind of keep track of. And there was quite a bit of, you know, little mini series is coming down in late models, but 
let's stick with the open wheels for just a second. <clears throat> you know, let's talk about Volusia. Now, I know that you didn't get to watch that because that was modified racing and, well, it hurt. And <laughs> no, I <it> like <laughs> modified racing. <laughs> so they actually had, now this is a name race fans under, they, they, everybody recognizes the Rudiman name, right? David Rudiman, race NASCAR, uh, Buzzy Rudiman. I don't know how old this guy is. I think he's, he's 70s or maybe even into his 80s, and he's still racing. And uh, so that was kind of neat to see Buzzy Rudiman racing in that deal in the Emil and Dale Rudiman Memorial over at the Volusia Speedway. And, and really the story, I mean, there's several classes, but it was, it was a modified special. It was five grand to win. And the story right now <clears throat> in the UMP modified world is Longhorns kind of taking their claim right now in the modified world. Longhorns by Lowenbrow, Tyler nicely parked it in victory lane, okay? He had, he had a Longhorn. So Longhorns, who they're running awesome on the national stage in late model, now with Steve Arpin kind of tied in with that deal, now they're going to try to make something happen in the modified world. And a guy that has won a ton of races down there, Nick Hoffman, elite chassis, let's just say that he's a little extra motivated right now um, because some of the guys that were in those elites are jumping over to Longhorns. And I kind of thought he was going to win, but he ended up with a left front flat, got third. But uh, it's going to be kind of fun <clears throat> to, uh, to see how Longhorn competes, I guess, more so in the UMP world. And that's kind of elite country. You got, you know, Hoffman, Krupp, right? You got some of them guys. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Now, Bert, here, here's something that was kind of neat. So my buddy Jeff, our late model expert, watching a modified show, incidentally. Now, they did have late models there. <laughs> they were great late models. But he was watching this show. <clears throat> and he says, hey you got to watch the intermission. I'm like, dude, it's intermission. Seriously? I don't need to watch intermission. I, he's like, no, you got to watch it. I'm like, and I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, all right. Well, he, he was ex genuinely excited about it. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to jump on Dirt Vision and I'll scroll back through <clears throat> and I'll watch the intermission. It was pretty cool. They, I don't remember the guy's name. Who's the late model announcer for the World of Outlaws? I don't know his name, but I know yeah. who you're talking about. Yeah, well, I, I should know his name, but yeah. Anyway, Jeff said, hey, this guy's great. And he's right. He was. I mean, they had – it brought me back to my childhood with Freddie Fran up in the announcer's booth, giveaways. He was down in front of the crowd. They were throwing hats and T-shirts and getting people excited and hooting and hollering. And next thing you know, there's a whole bunch of people on there. And he's coming up and he's doing kind of a – like a funny-type trivia, right? A kind of a – like, he'd ask them, like, trivia questions, but then there'd be kind of a twist to it and be like, yeah, no, you're wrong, but you still get a prize. So it was kind of fun, but <clears throat> in my mind, I'm thinking, we have way too many classes and not enough of this kind of stuff. See, there are diehard race fans, okay? There are. And the diehard race fans right now are going to be like, dude, shut up. I don't want to see any of this other crap, right? That's, that just <laughs> is what it is. But the fact is, there's not a ton of diehard racers, which says what? We need to have more fans. We need to get more people involved. We need to get more people loving being there and, and uh, maybe eliminate a class or two. Now, even the diehard fans are going to be going, yeah, we need to eliminate some classes because the six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 class shows are absolutely ridiculous. There's not a person on planet Earth that wants to sit at the racetrack for 10 classes. Nobody wants that why these promoters right now are thinking this is a good idea is completely beyond me. I really don't get it because it actually takes away from the entertainment value, waters everything down. Everybody's frustrated. It's way too long. Eliminate some of those and bring back 
some of this extra stuff to get the fans involved and make it more of an entertainment venue. So hats off, whoever was, <clears throat> I guess, involved with putting that together, whether it was the announcer, whether it was the Rudiman family, whether it was the people that run Volusia, whoever that may have been, right? Hats off to them because it was a, a nice little addition to see down at the, I guess I'm gonna better take a look here, the Emil and Dale Rudiman Memorial at Volusia. So pretty cool stuff there, Bert. Might wanna check that out on Dirt Vision. Okay, <clears throat> I, will, I will make a note of that. <laughs> hey, one more, <clears throat> one more on the old, I still got a cough. I had, for, for those of you that are wondering, I, I had the Rona, right? And the only thing I got left from the Rona, <clears throat> I got this little bit of a lingering cough. And if you listen to enough shows, you're like, dude's always got a cough. Like, probably should get that checked out, right? But it's a little bit worse now, but that, that's it. I'm all, I'm all clear. I'm good. I can get back out in the public now. I'm excited about that. Still have no smell, which, you know, if you're at the right hunting shack, that could be a benefit to not have that smell. So that, so, so if you're hunting this week and you're in Wisconsin, don't get COVID to lose smell around the hunting shack. Don't do that. It's not a good idea, but there is benefits to that. So speaking of that, let's go down to IMCA country. They were down, they had a triple header bird on the Desert Thunder Nationals down at, um, I guess it was in Central Arizona Raceway in Casa Grande. I actually went there with my family Oh, several years ago, I uh, went there with my parents, my sister, <clears throat> she lived down in Yuma, and uh, IMCA mods were on the card, and I I know that you probably don't know this, and I, you know, there's not anybody that's ever been good in a modified that is originally from Arizona, but I'm just going to let you go ahead and guess who won all three nights. <laughs> uh, number 20 car. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. The 20RT Ricky Thornton Jr. Now, I will say this. Um, night number two, you know, and, and really the track was not great. Um, but on night number two, there was a northern driver down there from up in North Dakota. I raced against this guy, Sean Strand, and uh, he was down there. And he drove around uh, Jake O'Neill, got the lead, and he, he, looked, he looked good. I'm like, this dude's going to win. And then they got into lap traffic, and he couldn't quite navigate the lap traffic and driving off the end of the racetrack, and O'Neill ended up driving off the track, and that left 20RT basically just hand him the check, the race is over. I don't know if he would have won the second night if both of them guys would have drove off the racetrack. So, but uh, it was pretty cool to see Strand down there. Now, a name that you might know, here's a, here's a name for all of us Minnesota, Wisconsin folks up here. A legend. This guy's a legend. Back in the, I guess, late 70s, all through the 80s. He, he's from Oliva, Wisconsin. He ran the Green 97. You know who I'm talking about, Bert? Yes, I know who you're talking about. You you remember him? I, I remember him racing mods. I no, don't you remember, do. I don't remember him in a late model, but I remember him racing mods. Yeah, and I remember him mostly in a late model, and then he ran a little bit of mods. And we're talking about Rapid Ron Schreiner, who a few years back, he moved down to Tucson. He's raced all kinds of different stuff down there. But uh, now he's in an IMCA sport mod. And uh, he's running some asphalt stuff. And he's like, I just want to race. I don't care what it is. I just want to race. And uh, he's in, I think he's like 62 years old, which, which is still young, right? Which is still young. But uh, he went out there. He got night one, he got a fourth. Then he got a DNF. And then he got six. So he ran pretty solid. And he had a pair of heat wins there. Um, running a number five car, I don't know the story. Might have to try to talk to him, see what the story is. 
I always remember him as 97. Yeah. And uh, kind of fun, you know, kind of brings me back to my childhood watching somebody that I grew up, you know, before I even thought about racing, somebody that I remember racing uh, down, I guess, primarily, I think Menominee was like one of his home tracks. So pretty cool seeing him there, Bert. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I remember watching, I think, you know, I usually saw him at the Wasota 100 when I would go, uh, go there uh, with MJ McBride. So uh, I do remember him in a modified, even though he's from the Western part of the state, I do remember seeing him race. <laughs> yeah, he's from Olivo, which is, I guess, just south of Eau Claire. And uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of cool uh, seeing a guy move. He owns Striner Enterprises. They built a lot of racing components and stuff. So pretty cool seeing Rapid Ron. I had I guess I had no idea. I jumped on there kind of to watch Ricky Thornton Jr. Next thing you know, they're like, Ron Schreiner. I'm like, wait, what? Ron Schreiner. I'm like, <laughs> all right, this is kind of an added bonus. I thought that was kind of cool. So, hey, you ready to get to some late models? You said you did watch some late model racing. I, I did watch some late model racing, yes. All right. Well, hey, where, where do you want to start? What, I'll let you start. Where do you want to start with the late model racing? Well, let's start with the Paul <laughs> Nationals. That was the first one. Um that was kind of, I felt like I had deja vu back to Alabama all over again. Um, it, they, they had the weird setup again where they run a feature, then the super late models are running heat races, and then there's a different feat. I mean, the program was all scrambled up. I didn't, and then it's like, uh, I think that was the show that the hobby stocks came out and raced, and they look like late models. Everything looks like late models down there. <laughs> It, it's it's a unique deal that's for sure and and it was a season finale of course the Schaefer's Fall Nationals is Ray Cook's deal he has a spring one he has a fall one and uh, this particular race was at Sonoya the Billy Clanton Memorial which as it turns out I didn't know this until looking it up but that is uh Shane Clanton's dad um so they had a memorial race for him and uh, they started at three o'clock and Bert uh, it was a marathon I mean it was a long 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 program and uh, Smokey Madden, he got her done. He he wins the A main. Yeah, I'm gonna post the video here. Uh, what what's your thoughts? Did you see his pass for the lead? Um, was that on the restart? Well, yeah, I don't remember if it was exactly on a restart or not, but I know he got by Clanton. It might have been on a restart. Okay. Well, I just remember. Uh, yeah, Clanton. There, there's a a little tussle and. Shortly after that, Clanton pulled off the track, if I remember correctly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess in that type of track, you just do what you have to do to, to, to get to the lead. Yeah, you don't go to the racetrack to make friends. Typically, you bring your own. I didn't think it was bad. I mean, I'll let fans kind of look at it. There was a little bit of aggressiveness there, but uh, I don't think it was like he garbaged them or anything. It was just kind of like. No, not at all. And uh, Donald McIntosh didn't have a great night. I think he was like second to last as far as cars left on the racetrack, but he did win the series championship, got that done. So that was over at Sonoya, um, less than impressive racing. Uh, you know, Keith kept kind of giving us a little crap saying, you know, I don't even know. I watched these over, over yeah. technology, you know, buckets of bolts, lead, lead sleds or whatever he calls them. He goes, it's not even exciting racing. And, and don't get me wrong, I've seen some extremely exciting late model racing. It just didn't happen on that night. And, well, uh, the, the funny thing is, you know, I've watched several of these fall national races, that series, and they're all like that. I mean, I, but so 
the fans down there must enjoy it. Um, the drivers show up for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally different than uh, uh, what we have up here. Yeah, we're pretty fortunate. We're pretty fortunate. We got a lot better racing. I, in my opinion, we have a lot better racing up here than they have in that region down there. Not that they don't have good racing, but I think we have more of it. Plus the track, that track's a little bit bigger too. Kind of, kind of got spread out. And I, I just don't like big racetracks. Now, the Carolina Clash, that's another series down there, okay? So we just talked about Donald McIntosh winning a series. I think he had that deal about locked up before the race started. But uh, the Carolina Clash series, Bert, that one was not locked up. There was a pair of races yep, yep. down there to conclude that series. Why don't you talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, the first one. Well, is that the one that Zach Mitchell won? That is. That is. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, I watched that, and uh, that was, uh, Zach Mitchell won uh, 10,000 to win show. That was his second 10,000 to win show of the year. Um, he's kind of had a coming out a little bit this year. Uh, he, he's won a couple of big races, and uh, I, I know he's been uh, competitive in several big events. Uh, but definitely, in my opinion, this was the best track of the three late model races that I did watch. Um, it was... It was a little topside dominant. I mean, it was a fast track, but it wasn't locked down at least. And, you know, it, it wasn't dry slick. I mean, drivers could actually race around on it a little bit. Um, Zach, there's a decent, I don't know if you, did you watch any of the race? Yeah, 18 cars. Kind of weird. 10,000 yeah. to win, only 18 cars. Zach Mitchell kind of gave him an ass kicking, to be honest with you. I mean, oh, yeah. He, yeah, he, he drove, I think he passed Brett Ham. Um, <clears throat> for the lead, Brett Ham got second in that deal, but he just put a spanking on him. And Overton was there, he was in third, I believe, at one point, and he got fourth. And he just kind of looked okay, which was to me weird. Usually, Overton in a race like that's going to be the guy to beat, and he he wasn't on the podium, and, and really, it didn't look like he belonged on the podium in that particular event. Yeah, it kind of seemed like it was a fast track where, um, you know, everybody was fast, so, you know, there wasn't a lot of passing. Uh, it was uh, interesting uh, how Mitchell took the lead. Uh, he tried to pass low in three. I mean, he was down low in three and four. And then going into one and two, he went to the outside and powered by the leader to take the lead from, you know, with an outside power move, which was pretty impressive to watch. And late, late in the race, um, Chris Ferguson was kind of making a charge, but he every now and then he'd jump the cushion and he'd slam into the wall. And one time, and he was he was able to keep going the first time, but the second time, not so much. He came, he brought out a yellow because he hit the wall a little bit too hard and won. Yeah, you live or die by the high side, they say, right? You know that that's kind of yep. what happened there. And uh, going into this deal, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, all right. Dennis Franklin, I did kind of look at the points on this one. Dennis Franklin had a 44-point lead with two races to go. So in my mind, it's like over. I mean, 44 points is a lot, right? Yeah. And uh, on this particular race, Brett Ham, he got second. Looked really good. And uh, Franklin, which is Dennis Rambo Franklin, late model guys know who that is, he got seventh. So still really after that first night, it was – I don't know the exact numbers, but it was over 30. I mean, it was still a pretty substantial lead going into that last night. And the last night, of course, was the Blue Gray 100 at the Cherokee Speedway in Gaffney, South Carolina, which 
was the final night of the series for the Carolina Clash, but night number one of the Extreme, I think it's the Driving Extreme Dirt Car Series, night number one for that. Um, let's talk about that a little bit, Bert. What did you see there? Yeah, well, the first thing that struck me when I was watching the highlights was uh, the day start or the race started in the daylight and ended in the dark. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, I I didn't know if I was at the Coca Cola Six Hundred in, in Charlotte in the, the NASCAR race, um, but that's one thing that struck me. Uh, another thing, I mean, lots of cautions. This was one of those races where, uh, as you say, Hoosier was the winner. Uh, because drivers were popping tires left and right. I mean, it was actually a situation where it was better to pop your tire early in the race, change it, and come back out, uh, because uh, Madden was leading the race with eight laps to go when his tire went. And so, obviously, even if you change your tire, you're not going to make up those positions in only eight laps, where Overton had to pit early in the race and was up to third with 17 laps to go, and um, the, another interesting thing was, as I'm watching it, you know, the announcers were just going crazy. You know, what, when's this tire going to pop? And it reminded me of, the, of, of wrestling announcers. And it's just like, when's this tire going to pop? And then when it did, oh, there it goes. And you just got all excited. <laughs> And that, that's good. I mean, they had to play that up. I remember one comment they made during that race. They said, the track's not really abrasive. They're just racing really, really hard. I'm like, wait, what? Like, every single driver got a flat tire. The track's not abrasive? What are you talking about? And uh, my buddy Krause, uh, Jeff Krause, he said, it's, it's locked down rubber. And I'm like, I don't think so, because the bottom had, like, a big tack strip down there. And then it was everybody was kind of running their left side tires and that spraying marbles up all over the whole track. It didn't appear to me to like lock down rubber. It just, it seemed like it was really gritty and abrasive and they can run different compounds of tires. I don't know what the particular rule is there, but I'm thinking everybody just went too soft because they looked at the track and they said, Hey, look, the bottom's a little greasy. Well, this ain't going to be hard on tires. Well, that one lane above that grease turned really abrasive and, I don't think it really locked down. Just looking at the lap times, it's not like they just got faster and faster and faster. I think it was just kind of one of those deals. And it was kind of funny. And I somebody posted about a race coming up down at Bulls Gap. And it starts at like noon or some stupid thing. So I, I commented on Facebook. I'm like, what is with all these day races? Day racing suck. And one of the one of the folks from down there says, Well, they gotta race during the day. The track's too slippery if they race at night. I'm like, what what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, do they just not get it? I'm like, I've been around. I might, you know, I might not know everything about racing, but I do feel like I've been around a little bit, right? And every single day race I've ever seen is slippery. <laughs> it just is what it is. And it's yeah, that, more that's... slippery when the sun's out and when it's, yeah, I, I just didn't understand it, but I'm like, what, whatever. Thank God it's on, you know, I can watch it on pay-per-view or on demand. I don't have to sit through it. That, that's all fine and good. Um, but Overton, like you said, he got that done. Now, the points battle, with all these tire changes, they, they kind of – the announcers did a pretty good job playing that up because at one point, um, Hammond changed tires. Rambo's ahead of him. And, like, if he could have just maintained, not got a flat, boom, he wins the championship. There goes his right – I don't even know that he had a right rear. I think he just anticipated that he had to go in and change it. He may have had a flat. I don't recall – um, but needless to say, he went in 
and tried to make a power move on the outside. It was all marbly. Nothing happening there. Brett Ham gets fifth. Ramble finished far enough back that Ham actually swallowed up that whole lead and, excuse me, stole his second consecutive Carolina Clash Championship. So, as a, I get it. There's some drama. But it really annoys me when championships are won because the track sucks so bad that everybody tires low. Uh, that's just not – I mean, it is what it is. I mean, if I was a guy that won the championship, I'd be like, hell, yeah, I'll take it. But it's just kind of a sucky way to lose. I mean, give us a racing service that you can race on, you know, and not have to worry about everybody blowing a tire, you know, because that's – it's just not cool. But, you know, it is what it is. But needless to say, the racing wasn't all that terribly great. And uh, if not for all them flat tires, it would have probably been really boring. What do you think? Right. No, I, I agree. And, you know, as after I watched it, you know, I was wondering, you know, from a driver's perspective, um, you know, Madden has to know that drivers are popping tires left and right. He's still on his original tires. There's eight laps to go. I mean, there's nothing he can do but just run until he wins or the tire goes. And, you know, that, that's an unfortunate a situation and feeling to be in. <laughs> and, and if you watch that race, Madden's car was extremely straight. Like, you could tell, like, he was really driving a good race, conserving his tires, not sliding the car, not abusing his equipment. And the guys behind him, they were yard sailing that thing in. And it's like, these guys are all wrecking their tires. Maybe he's got a chance because his car was so balanced it just rotated the corner, but yeah, I mean, it just hundred lap race on a track like that. It is what it is. I mean, Hoosier tire definitely won on that one for sure. <laughs> Usually drivers only go through one set of tires in a race and that one, it was like two sets of tires in a race. So Hoosier definitely was a winner on that one. But and, um, I see a lot of that down there. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it seems like almost every, every other podcast we're talking about a race like that but uh one other note from that race was uh Kyle Strickler was racing there I mean he was one who popped a tire too uh but he was racing for his new team that he'll be racing for next year and he has a new graphic scheme which is kind of it's very similar to the one Hudson O'Neill had because he's racing for the team that Hudson O'Neill used to race for right right <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he likes it because it's free. I, I think the car's not quite as nice looking, but <laughs> as long as he gets to put some feature win stickers on it, I don't think he really gives a crap either. So so <laughs> that's enough about, I guess we can call them real late models. Let's call them real late models. And uh, I wasn't going to talk great late models. I know there was an event this week. You know, they, they had one. And I'm like, ah, you know, it's, you know, I kind of looked through the results and it appeared like there was anything too extravagantly exciting. But then I did a little research, and I'm like, holy shit, this is pretty good stuff. I got to talk about this on the show. So they had, they had Crate Racing USA Series at the Deep South 100 in Loxley, Alabama, okay? And I just saw this stuff, like, not too, not too long before uh, airing the show here. And Will Harrington, he slipped by Joseph Joyner, Joseph Joyner, the hunt the front dude, to win. In that joiner, another podium finish. He, he ran good. Another tire game. Lots of blown tires in this one as well, right? This race, Bert, just this one feature, not the program, the one feature took an hour and 45 minutes for one race. One, I'm like, oh, 
my God. Like, are you kidding me? And then I'm like, why did it take so long? Well, there's lots of yellows, 13 yellows, lots of flat tires. And a portion of that, there was a boxing match out on the racetrack. I'm like, all right, you got my attention. All right, what's this all about here, right? And a couple of Milton, Florida drivers, <clears throat> there, was, there was a wreck. One of the drivers that was involved with the fight wasn't even in the wreck. Apparently, he cut a guy's tire <laughs> earlier in the race. One of the guys in the wreck, there was a James Gilmore and a Mike Lane. I don't know these guys at all. They're both from Milton, Florida. Incidentally, the one dude got out of his car. I think it was Gilmore. He went down to Lane. He starts flapping his gums. Lane gets out of his car. Next thing you know, they're boxing down in three and four and rolling around on the ground. Both of them got disqualified. <clears throat> so then I text my buddy. I got a friend of mine, Ryan Fowler, runs a mod down there uh, at the Southern Raceway in Milton. I'm like, y'all are crazy. Like, what is – he goes, that wasn't – he goes, that was, that was only one of three. He goes, there was three fights that night. He goes, there was only one on the track, but there was two other fist fights there. I'm like, what is wrong with you guys? <clears throat> and he's like, yeah, he goes, Ev evidently there was way too much testosterone going on. And that reminds me, Bert. So I was down in uh, Milton, Florida, the Southern Raceway. We talked about the Southern Raceway there last week um, with that, uh, I think they had all-star sprints down there or whatever. And that's up in the panhandle over by Pensacola, kind of right on maybe five, six miles from the Alabama border. Dude, the war, not over. It's not over. Like, it's still the Confederacy down there, right? I mean, it, it is straight up, true story. They are full-on redneck down there for sure, right? And I remember, so the first night I was down there in the mod, and keep in mind, it was just my daughter and I, and she was maybe, this would have been 2009, uh, beginning of 2009. So she would have been 14, I believe, at the time, 94, 04. Yep, 14. She would have been 14 at the time. She was my only pit person, right? We're down there racing. In the heat race, this guy yard sales me. I get put to the back. He yard sales me again. He kind of play kissy face on the track. And I pull up to him on the scale. I drive over him, and I flip him off, and I keep going. Next thing you know, like him and, like, five of his pit crews are walking towards my trailer. I'm like, oh, Christ. And, like, a whole <laughs> bunch of people came over to my trailer. They're like, dude, like, don't say a word. I'm like, why? Like, screw this guy, right? And uh, they said, no, like, he just got back. He was suspended for, like, almost a year because him and his pit crew literally beat the hell out of somebody with a baseball bat. I'm like, oh, this is good. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, so he comes down, and he's like, we got a problem. I'm like, no. I said, I'm just racing you like I race, you know, like you race me. He goes, yeah. Both times somebody's actually willing to race with me. Everybody else, a bunch of pussies around here. You know, I know you northern guys would like to race hard. I'm like, don't get me wrong. I don't want to wreck. He was like, what do you mean? I said, I just want to win. I'm here to win. I don't want to wreck stuff. Oh, he goes, I thought you guys like to race like that. I'm like, no, no, not, not particularly. I will, <laughs> but I don't like it. And, and we kind of like mended fences and I won. And he come back down after I won. Oh, man, he gives me a big hug. Great job. Hey, good job, buddy. And everybody's looking like, I think this guy's bipolar or something. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not sure what to think. But they are flat out nuts down there. <clears throat> so they had the boxing match on the track and kind of reminded me of that, but kind of gets to thinking, right? So NHL, you, th you take the old NHL hockey enthusiasts and you say, you know what? I just want to watch hockey. I don't want to watch all this stupid fighting crap. I just want to watch hockey. And, and like the old enthusiasts are like, oh, no, no, that's part of the game. You got to have it, right? So, so you got half of them saying, oh, no, you got to have fist fights. And the other half going, this is ridiculous. Like, literally, these people should all be in jail for, like, giving people concussions in a fist fight. Are you kidding me? 
It's like stupid. Well, should this be allowed in racing? In, in fact, should it be encouraged? I mean, you, you look at it and some of these races are awfully boring. And, you know, I, I heard somebody say one time, if you fight in the pits, we're going to find you a hundred bucks. If you fight on the track, we're going to pay you a hundred bucks, <laughs> you know, weigh in. And then I got a couple thoughts on it. Well, what's your thoughts there, Bert, well, on fighting at the racetrack? I, I, I don't think there should be full out fisticuffs fighting. Um, you know, I, I, I know you talk to old timers and, you know, you hear stories about, you know, that's how we did it back in the day. You know, we took care of things in, in the pits and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, I, I think there, I think rivalries are good and some rubbing, you know, rubbing with your cars. You know, I remember, you know, you know, watching drivers go up the scale after a race and, you know, one will, you know, just give the other a nudge while they're waiting to get on the scale, you know, little things like that. Uh, you know, I, I, I've seen drivers yelling at each other and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but I've never uh, seen that before. <laughs> um, you know, all out fisticuffs. Um, don't get me wrong. I would, I would create a lot of excitement. <laughs> You know, and I mean, I, I mean, you always hear the hear the saying, uh, what is it? Uh, I can't remember, but uh, no news is bad news or, or no news is bad PR or that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Because your, your name is out there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and there's some truth to that. You know, it creates excitement. Now, good, bad, otherwise, I mean, you're going to, you know, weigh in, fans, you know, do you, hey, what do you think? Should fighting be allowed at the racetrack? I mean, if, and I'm not saying there shouldn't be penalties, but in some instances, it's like, oh, 30-day suspension and this and that and the other. Is that too much? I mean, if somebody gets in a fist fight in the racetrack, should you just say, look, hey, you're disqualified for the night, get your shit together, come back next week, let's just get past it. Because if people get in a fist fight tonight at the racetrack, I guarantee more people are coming next week because they want to see what the hell's going to happen, right? That's exciting. Now, is it good, bad? I don't know. But you can, I guarantee if there's any kind of altercation as a promoter, you play that up, right? And if you play that up and if you play it up well, you're going to get more people going, well, wait a second, you know, what's going to happen? It's kind of like that WWE mentality, right? You know, so I don't know if there should be knockout, dragout, fist fights, brawls, whatever. I, I don't know. But you know, let's face it, sometimes racing is too politicized. I mean, it's too... You know, Richard Petty says, oh, dirt racing is not professional. Well, I guess this maybe kind of <laughs> proves that again, right? But the fact is, you know, I think maybe NASCAR and stuff's too professional. What's oh, the, I agree with what's that. What's the yeah. one thing, what's the one thing that put NASCAR on the map on public broadcasting? Yeah. A fistfight in the infield. Yeah. There it is. There it is, right? So that's that put NASCAR on the map now and then they're going oh no we can't have any of that if it weren't for that nobody would have known what the hell nascar even was right that that built nascar that started everything and it's kind of the same thing with dirt racing you see so i, mean, I remember rivalries i remember fist fights at the racetrack i remember all that the one thing i do remember about it is usually when the fist fight was done the shit ended right now it's done and if, they, if there is no fist fight, that shit will linger on all year long 
oh, I hate you, and this and that, bickering back and forth and door slamming each other and, you know, just doing all that stuff where typically speaking, if somebody has a problem with somebody, old school mentality, you get in a fist fight, somebody gets their ass kicked, it's over. It's done. It's done. It ends right there. It's over. And, uh, again, good, bad, and different, I don't know. One thing that I do know as a race car driver, though, with the point average lineup system, I remember having to start 12 every freaking night, right? And we had the same idiots on the front row every single night that would literally spin out because they couldn't walk and chew gum. And it'd be the same guys. And it's still every night, the same guys wrecking people every night. And it's not because they necessarily try to wreck them. It's just because they're so terrible that they don't know how to keep their shit straight. Well, guess what? They get a couple black eyes. They probably learn how to drive pretty quickly, at least how to keep the car straight. <laughs> you know, so, you know, some of the, some of y'all know what I'm talking about out there. Some of you going, hell yeah, I'm all about that. And, you know, that's just, you know, we've seen down south, you know, we see a lot more of that down south, whether it was North Carolina or Georgia or Alabama. It seems like they're not afraid to just get after it. And like, oh, yeah. Me off, I'm going to knock your teeth out. It just is what it is. And like the last, I can remember a handful of incidences, just a handful in our area. I remember a, a Jody Belfi Kelly SP deal, right? And they got after it a couple times. One, uh, I, there was an altercation on the racetrack and whatever happened there, I feel like Kelly maybe got into Jody. I think Jody ended upside down and Jody popped him in the head a couple times at Ogilvy on the racetrack. And, and then they, they were wrestling in the pits in Proctor and church got ripped off. And I think there were some punches thrown there. And I remember uh, the Broking clan, right? Uh, you know, I'm good friends with uh, John Broking and Bobby and Johnny Broking and, Ed Wakefield, they called him Rambo back in the day. This this guy was a talented race car driver, but he was off his chain. And uh, he went down, and I think Big John gave him a kind of a little bit of a beat down there at Proctor. You know, so you see this, but guess what happened? After that, I remember that one specifically because Wakefield got his ass kicked. And I remember when that was all said and done, he went back up to the Brokings and said, hey, let's just put this behind us. Because he, no, he didn't want another ass beating, right? And it was done. At that point, it was done. It was over. There was never an issue again. So right, wrong, and different. Again, me and you were not real big guys. Like, I would have gotten a fight. I ran my mouth a lot. I probably would have been, been matched up with, like, Isons or something and got my ass beat. It wouldn't have been very good. But I probably would have shut up pretty quickly, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it just is what it is. But it's kind of an interesting, interesting topic, you know, thinking about, you know, should it be allowed? Should it not be allowed? Should it be – what should the penalty be, right? If you get – in a fist fight at the racetrack, should it be loss of all points, kicked out for 30 days? Should it be all that, or should it just be like, hey, you're you're kicked out for the night, no points for the night, no money, get your shit together, come back next week? I mean, that's what I think it should be. I don't think it should be this like, throw the iron book at you, you're done. I think I, I think they're missing the whole boat. With well, I mean, I I mean, obviously it depends on on the track and the promoters of the track, but you know, each track has their own set of rules in that regard. Uh, I think I may have sent you the video of this earlier this summer, uh, but one of the drivers in the IMCA stock car division at 141 Speedway uh, was involved in an accident. And uh, during the, I mean, his car was done for the night. And during the caution, he got out of his car, ran towards the car that was parked in the corner because I don't know, it was red flag or something that he thought caused the accident and did the Jimmy Fly snooker 
<laughs> you better send that again. I, we need to get. We need to post that. If you have that, send that to me again because I don't remember that. And landed on on the hood of of the other driver's car. And uh, I, I mean, I don't know if I can find it again. I'll have to see if I can find it again. Uh, but my understanding is he he wasn't well. He wasn't suspended at all because he went on to win the track championship in the division at the track. Um, and I mean, he's actually um, embraced it and had T-shirts made about the about it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and what was the most talked about? One of the most talked about things in dirt late model racing this year. Well, I was just going to say. I mean, now several months later, let let's take a look at the Tyler Herb uh, Pierce incident. Um, looking back. I think his suspend his his punishment was too much. Um, I mean, really, the worst thing that happened was when he when he pulled away and the and the and the world of outlaw official fell over and and Pierce's dad fell over. Uh, but otherwise, looking back, I mean, it's not like he rammed full bore into Bobby's front nose. I mean, they went nose to nose and he rubbed it and yeah, he pushed him a little. And he he did his little tirade in the infield, and you know they wanted to take they took away a steering wheel and whatnot. But looking back, you know, I'm I'm coming to your side of this thing where um, the world of outlaws they they took away a prime promotion. I mean, not necessarily promotion, but fans want to see those two race against each other. Yeah, that's a great marketing opportunity. In fact, they've already been at the racetrack, the same racetrack <clears throat> since then. Like the following week, they were at the same racetrack. And and now in World of Outlaws is like, oh no, <clears throat> we gotta suspend them. Well, World of Outlaws, you better take a good look at your, you know, your group of cars. You got like 10, right? And like there's like four good ones. So you start eliminating people that can race your events and you might as well just like cancel world of all us and say, screw it. We're not even going to have it. Lucas oil is where it's at this year. And uh, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, and you look at it and yeah, it was a little bit of a scary deal when he gassed it and the official was there, but I've been that hot headed race car driver. You don't start sticking your hands and stuff inside of a cockpit when the driver's pissed off and kind of going off. You, you just, that, that was kind of, ill-advised by the world of outlaw guy and he should have been you know suspended for some period or fined or whatever for that because it was a safety deal i get it but <clears throat> that, that should be something that should be taught an official does not go into the cockpit of a race car that's running you're just looking for trouble it just is what it is reminds me of the old you ever hear about the old steve eggersdorf the slammer incident at the labor day shootout at the hibbing raceway no you heard of Rick Eggersdorf, right? Steve Eggersdorf? Yeah, yep, yep. Okay, so Slammer, they call him, Steve Eggersdorf. And I don't remember all that. I was really young at the time. I, I must have been six, seven years old. But there was an altercation on the track. Rector was going to pull him off. An official went. I think they were going to try to pull his mag. I think they were going to try to pull his ignition wire. It turns out he had a mag. And uh, <clears throat> that official got a ride around the Hibbing Raceway on the hood of a late model, right? cops came it was it was quite the deal right so you, you just you don't i guess i guarantee that official doesn't do that twice i guarantee he's not reaching in somebody's car that's running again and if he does and the same thing happens that's his own dumb fault at that point but uh 
you know, that just brings back. I mean, the, racing is part of the entertainment industry. And for things to be entertaining, you need a villain and you need somebody that's kind of the good guy and you need a battle and you need, you yep. need that kind of stuff. And the minute they start taking away all of that, it's like, really? You know, that's why people say, well, just a bunch of guys and gals driving around in a circle. Well, that's kind of what some places are trying to push it to be, right? We need, we need rivalries. We need, we need that kind of stuff to make, <clears throat> to create that excitement to get people talking about it. Because I guarantee you this, <clears throat> if there's stuff going on like that, people are talking about that stuff all week long. And dude, you are not going to believe what happened last week. This guy, yeah, they got out of the car on the racetrack, punched the guy in the face. I mean, you like you got to be there this Saturday. I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be crazy. People show up. It just is what it is. So on my side of things, I'm like, this stuff needs to be, not only should it be like allowed, it should be encouraged. And should there be a penalty, maybe disqualification for the night, even that, that fist, that deal that happened down in uh, North Carolina, that was all they got was disqualified for the night. That's it. Like you get no pay, no points for the night. That's it. That's all it was. And that was, that there was some, there were some punches thrown. I mean, there were some haymakers in that one. And, uh, but up in the Wissota slash IMCA, you'd look at World of Outlaws, you look at NASCAR. I mean, they're like, oh, no, we want to be, you know, straight and narrow. I mean, dude, when NASCAR is kicking people out because they were drawing on a toaster strudel, <laughs> really? <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. So <clears throat> I thought that seeing that <clears throat> on Facebook, I'm like, Man, this this is a whole good topic, right? We gotta talk about this, but you know, that's enough of that. You know, I think that that was unless you have something, anything you want to add or no. anything you want to close with on that. No, I, I I think we. Well, let me just close with this. I mean, as a fan, depending, I mean, you may not see fisticuffs, but uh, if you know where to watch after a race, you may see um, some drivers get you know have heated discussions i mean one of my i i shouldn't say it's my favorite thing to do but one thing i like to do is i mean shano speedway is configured where you can see the claim area from the grandstand and so there are times when i'm not even watching the race that's on the track because i'm watching what's going on in the claim area well really not the inspection area because there's not much claiming anymore uh but you know if drivers have an alt, you know, have an altercation on the track, sometimes it, it carries over into, you know, that area. So there are times when I'm watching that instead of the actual race that's on the track. <laughs> and, and I'll close with this. Race fans are passionate. All right. They're passionate. I can't tell you how many times in my years of racing that me and another driver, we, we had all out screaming matches in the, in the pits after the race. Right immediately after the altercation whatever happened and you know hour later we're like over it it's like whatever we said our piece we're done with it you know we're not happy about it but whatever and then the fans come down right and it all starts back yeah. up because they're way more heated <laughs> i mean i've seen and so have you there was a fist fight up in the grandstands at fergus falls at the king of dirt right you know so so it happens in the grandstands it happens in the pits it's drivers it's crew i mean hell you got janae gustin trying to box been a boxing match <laughs> with an official right so i mean you see there's all of it but it's all that passion 
And if you take that passion away from the sport, what do we have left? You know, oh, I agree. There's got to there's got to be there needs to be a fine line. It does, right? You know, but I mean, if, if people start using weapons and stuff, that that's way out of hand. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, let's not let's not blow things out of proportion with penalties and fines and suspensions and all that. Let's just let it play out. Use it as a marketing tool. Create some excitement. Grow the sport, and that's what we all want. Is we all want something exciting. So. We're in Thanksgiving week, right? Let's get in the holiday spirit for just a little bit, right? Not that we weren't. I mean, that was pretty festive. If you, as, I guess, I mean, you look at it, the right family. You, they have boxing matches probably at Thanksgiving too, right? It's just part of it. But uh, we're all <laughs> just Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> what are you thankful for um, from the 2020 racing season? Well, um, with <laughs> 2020 being as crazy as it was, I am thankful that we had any racing season whatsoever. I'm glad we're not sitting here talking about iRacing like we were uh, back in March and April. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right on, <laughs> right on. Yeah, any, anything else? What, what else are you thankful for in 2020? Um, well, I, I'm thankful for, uh, I mean, I've watched a lot more races online than I have in the past and uh, so, you know, I'm thankful that, uh, I mean, I know we get critical on some of these races because the racing isn't that exciting or the track rubbers up or not, but I'm thankful that we have the opportunity to still watch those races if we want to. And, uh, you know, that's something that uh, we didn't necessarily have, you know, several years ago even. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, several years ago after the invitational season was done up here, my racing season would have been over. I wouldn't have been watching racing again until all the way till more than likely April, something somewhere in there, unless I took a random trip down to Florida or whatever. So I'm pretty thankful. I'm pretty thankful for, you know, the fact that I got to kind of spread my horizons a little bit. I got to do a little announcing this year. I'm pretty thankful for that. That was fun. Like you said, I'm thankful that racing happened. They got all these closures going on now again with the small businesses and all that. I'm thankful that that happened after the racing season, right? So that we could have a racing season. And I, I am really thankful for the streaming, you know, being able to watch multiple races every single week. There really is no off season. I'm extremely thankful for that. Companies like Dirt Race Central, you know, Ben and John do such a fantastic job in our region. You know, and there's a lot of na national ones as well, but I'm thankful that the, the platforms are there. And I'm especially thankful that I don't have to watch races like, you know, the ones in Alabama and stuff like that, that are 12 <laughs> hours long. I'm glad I don't have to sit there for 12 hours to, to watch all that nightmare. I can just kind of pick and choose, right? Because of that streaming device. So pretty thankful for that. Thankful that we get to do this show and uh, thankful that we're going to continue on doing it. So, you know, thank, Thanksgiving is upon us. We'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, four races, you know, there's probably more than that. But four stuck out to me coming up this week. And being that it's Thanksgiving week, I mean, it's going to be pretty obvious with, with the names of these events, right? <clears throat> okay. We're going to start with the Gobbler 100. Okay. 20,000 win for Lace Bird. I didn't realize there was a 20,000 win race left. I didn't either. <laughs> I, that's crazy. So this one is Friday and Saturday. It's on flow, Cochran, Georgia. Okay. And, uh, 
you know, I'm anticipating seeing maybe Strickler, Madden, Overton, Dale McDowell. I'm not sure. I mean, it's 20 grand to win. Maybe Ricky Weiss shows up to that one. I'm not sure. So I'm assuming you're going to have some pretty good hot rods at that race for 20 grand to win. I don't know what the rest of the pay looks like. Bert, four classes of late models. <laughs> You'd be in heaven. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, another race here coming up. The leftover. Let me say something. I mean, I'm a, I'm a late model fan. I enjoy watching late models, but I agree. Four different classes of late models at one event. That's, that's just overkill. And we've discussed this several times in the past too. It, I mean, the diehard fans may know the difference between the divisions, but the casual fan who's going to the track or watching the streaming event. I mean, you have to take that into consideration these days too. And it's just like, well, what's the difference between this one and this one and this one and this one? <laughs> <laughs> You're exactly right. Now the leftover Bert, four classes of lates at this one too. And this is on Saturday. Now both these races are on slow racing. Okay. This one's 5,000 to win for late models for the main late models at the 411 Seymour, Tennessee. Hard to say. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wondering. I mean, that's in Tennessee. The other one's in Georgia. Does Ricky Weiss go race for twenty grand to win? Does he race for five grand to win, or does he go to any of them? I, well, it'll be interesting to see coming up here. Yeah. So that one's on Saturday night. Okay. Now the next one coming up here is is kind of a smorgasbord. They got several classes. Friday they have X amount of classes. The late models are racing on Saturday. This is kind of like an MLRA type rule from what I understand. This is the Turkey Bowl. And this one's at the Springfield Raceway on, I think it's springfieldraceway.tv. Friday and Saturday night, you'll be able to catch the action there. Uh, so another uh, another festive one here. And then we have, uh, we got some, uh, there's late models here too, but the Turkey Classic. And this is down at the Cocopah Speedway in Summerton, Arizona. And I think it's late models aren't really a big deal down there. So it's, I think it's only a thousand to win for late models each night. Mods, I think, pay a little bit more. IMCA. One thing I noticed there, Bert uh, Shaw Trucking, they're a sponsor of this event. So so Don Shaw, he's won down there. He, he won last winter. He won a race down at Cocopa. This is on IMCA.tv. So four holiday themed invitationals coming up. So you'll be able to catch some racing action this week. And Bert, that's going to bring us to the last lap. Yeah. Um, it's hard to believe that uh, we're to the last lap. But, yeah, we had uh, uh, some uh, sad news uh, over the weekend. Uh, Leroy Rumley passed away. Um, you know, obviously, uh, the Rumley name is uh, uh, well-known in the dirt late model national ranks. Uh you know, with Jonathan Davenport driving his cars and several other top drivers have, have driven for them. So, so that, that was sad to hear, uh, hear that news on Sunday. Yeah, it sure was, you know, our condolences to, to the Rumley family, all his friends, everybody involved with them. And uh, so we talked, just mentioned Don Shaw. Don Shaw is kind of that guy that they like plays musical chairs with race cars and uh, this year, uh, 2021, looks like he's got a brand new capital chassis. Looks like he was down at Marshall Green Shop. I saw the picture of the 42 ride down there. Don't know if that's going to be primarily an open car with soda car. Don't know all the details on it. But uh, Don Shaw to a capital. And uh, let's, let's, let's jump ship over here 
a little bit of NASCAR stuff, Bert. Uh, what did you see happening in the NASCAR world? Well, I, I, I guess the big news is that uh, there will be no uh, net. I don't even know who the sponsor of the Truck Series is. Uh, but the Truck Series has raced at Eldora Speedway. Uh, well, they didn't this year because of COVID. But uh, for several straight years, they, they had a NASCAR truck race at Eldora. And uh, they will not be going back to Eldora this year. Uh, but they will be racing on the dirt in Knoxville. Um, I don't get too excited either way about these NASCAR things because I mean, especially when they raced at, at Eldora, it was really an asphalt track. Anyway, they, they just packed it so tight and, you know, yes, it's dirt, but you might as well say that they were racing on asphalt. I, I, I watched that race a few times, but I, I didn't, uh, plan around it let's just put it that way if I happened to be home and wasn't doing anything else I, I I'd watch it but uh, I mean if you want to get me excited prepare the track like you normally do for a dirt race and then let the trucks race and then I'll get excited <laughs> bring them bad boys down to Fairbury and we'll, we'll be I'll guarantee I'll be watching that one uh, now we're gonna jump you know off the late model stuff off the NASCAR stuff one of my favorite series is that I watched this past year the Steffes Street Stock Tour and and going into the year I'll be honest with you I wasn't gonna be like too excited about watching a street stock race I just simply was not but after watching several of these races on Dirt Race Central oh my god these these guys and gals because Maria Brooksick she stole the show in one of these races they put on a show and uh, they just expanded the series. So in 2021, they're making a trip over to the Red Cedar Speedway, Menominee, Wisconsin. And the very next night, yes, you're going to hear me correctly here. The Cedar <laughs> Lake Speedway is hosting a Wissota Street Stock event. That's pretty cool. So I would love to see more Wissota events at the Cedar Lake Speedway, but this is a good start. And, you know, I can't talk street stocks without talking about Frank Zuli. You know, Zuli performance, Zuli race engines. This guy, he builds a lot of championship caliber stuff. You know, Justin Vogel, a former national championship driver in the Wissota street stocks, raves about his Zuli engines. Can a Zuli race engine maybe take the throne here in 2021 in the Stephen Street Stock Tour? We'll, we'll find out soon enough. But this is the time of year. Get a hold of Frank. He takes care of his guys and gals, right? But if you're looking for a for a switch up in the engine program, you know, I, I can't say enough about this guy. He does a hell of a job. So give Frank a call. Now, let's jump back to uh, Indianapolis. Now, do you have much details on that? Um, no, I don't. I actually don't have details on it. You were just telling me about that before the show started. <laughs> Well, I don't have a lot me. of details on it either. I read a little bit in the article, but Indianapolis is, you know, the brickyard, right? It's, it's indie racing. It's, you know, and then they have some NASCAR stuff there. But when's the last time as a race fan that you heard of any, like, real dirt racing around Indianapolis? No, you don't. <laughs> right? <clears throat> well, evidently, there is a gentleman, and I don't know all the details. There's some articles online but there is a dirt track in the process of being built in Marion County and in the, in the, right in the Indianapolis area. And in 2021, there is going to be dirt track racing there. And they're talking some pretty big stuff. They're talking everything from, you know, sprint cars to late models to modifies. 
UMP mods, open late models. They, they got some big plans. So as a diehard dirt track guy, I'm excited to see real racing because asphalt to me is not real racing. Sorry, just isn't. But real <laughs> racing being brought to Indy. So that's going to be pretty good. Uh, so uh, Hoosier action and the Hoosier state. How about that, Bert? Yeah, I mean, it, it's exciting to hear because like you said, I mean, you think of the Indianapolis area, you know, that's, a, you know, uh, IndyCar, uh, the little 500, you know, with the, the, the sprint cars on asphalt, uh, but you don't hear anything about, uh, you don't hear much anything about uh, dirt racing. No, you don't. And I think I'll end with this. So I interviewed James Trantina, um, new promoter, I guess new owner of the Granite City Motor Park, I believe it's called. And uh, I interviewed him. He didn't tell me about this. This is a new announcement that came out today. I feel like I should kick his ass. Like, seriously. You can't, like, seriously. He didn't even tell me about this. I interviewed him, like, two days ago. But uh, they sealed the deal today in Granite City Motor Park, right by St. Cloud. They're going to host an IMCA event. It's interesting to me because it's a Wasoda track. They're going to host an IMCA event. So Cliff Sasker, who's the promoter at the Princeton Speedway and owner at the North Central Speedway in Brainerd, they put together a like a huge, huge deal. And uh, <clears throat> I know the deal at Granite City is going to be on a Sunday, kind kind of to conclude the weekend. There, they're paying ten thousand to win for IMCA mods, ten thousand to win for IMCA sport mods, and they're going to pay five thousand to win for IMCA stock cars. So. <laughs> So that when you look at them four nights of racing, I can't even imagine how many cars are going to be there because that is four massive, massive paying shows in the really in the heart of Wasota country, right? Because the Wasota mm -hmm. is in St. Cloud, and the biggest weekend of racing is going to be four IMCA events. I don't know what to think about that, but I mean, the guys got the go big or go home mindset. You know, that's great for IMCA guys. What's going to be Interesting to me is how many Wissota regulars are going to transition their cars over for that weekend of IMCA racing with that much money on the line. That's what's going to interest me. And I don't, I mean, we're so early in the fall slash beginning of the winter, whatever you want to call it now, that nobody, not many people have their schedules out. It'll be interesting to see what's going on in the late model world, what's going on with all this other stuff, because you could see, you could maybe see a Ricky Thornton Jr. coming if there's no competing stuff going on that weekend. Chances are there will be, you know, but, but it'll be interesting to see maybe, you know, a guy like Jordan Grabowski, maybe Terry Phillips, you know, Jake O'Neill. You start seeing some of these guys, and then you obviously there is a ton of, a ton of IMCA guys. I would, I'd honestly expect to see. I, for, the, for the life of me, I, I don't understand why you couldn't see a hundred mods, a hundred uh, sport mods. You know, I, them numbers seem realistic to me, paying that kind of money. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I having that many races in a row is is very good. Um, you know, several years ago, uh, for about three or four straight years two other tracks would pay 5,000 to win around the 10,000 to win clash at the Creek. They called it the Cheesehead triple crown series. And I loved it. And I'm very disappointed that they don't do it anymore. 
Um, I have a feeling I know why they don't do it anymore. Um, but I mean, the last year that they did it, uh, the 10,000 to win show got rained out. So they had to move that to a different night. And ever since then, it, they don't do that anymore. So I'm very envious of, uh, you know, the Minnesota tracks doing that. And that's in June, correct? Like June 20 something. So that's probably a week after the clash at the Creek. Uh, so that's a 10,000 to win show in Wisconsin. And like Grabowski always comes up for that show. Terry Phillips has always been up for that show. Um, you know, you get a lot of the top runners, uh, you know, from the South. So yeah, I mean, they can stay an extra week and just travel over the Minnesota and, through my interviews with drivers at the Clash at the Creek, you know, the drivers from the western part of the country, California and that, I mean, they, they come to Iowa and race all, all summer. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, and yeah, you're in a close proximity to Iowa, so you're going to get, you know, and that is the heart of IMCA country. So, yeah, yeah I mean, sure. your, your tire counts, you know, could be achievable. Yeah, I mean, for that kind of money on the line, I hope so. As a race fan, as an enthusiast of the sport, I don't care if it's Wasoda, IMCA, NASCAR, UFB, I don't care. I, I love watching dirt track racing. Everybody's got their opinions. This one's better. That one's better. And, and everyone's got good points and bad points. It's all fine and good. But the fact of the matter is it's dirt track racing. There's a lot of money on the line. It should be something different. It's something exciting. And I, I hope, I really hope that the drivers really embrace this deal because you know they we as a racer we all complain about payout we're like oh man they, they got to pay us more well here's a perfect opportunity where they can't say that <laughs> they're you're getting paid there's there's some real money on the line here so if there's real money on the line show up race for it and compete for it and see what you can do uh one question on that when they when uh when they did no longer have them back-to-back -back five grand the wind shows leading to the clash at the creek did that affect the car count there? Well, I mean, actually, and I, I think this is this is part of the reason why they don't do the triple, the Cheesehead Triple Crown anymore, because that 5,000 wind shows were actually after the Clash at the Creek. So when the Clash at the Creek gets rained out, when do you run it? Because you have two, two other tracks have 5,000 wind shows the next two nights. And so that, that, uh, I think was the ultimate downfall of the Cheesehead Triple Crown Series, and apparently the tracks couldn't work together. I mean, when the Cheesehead Triple Crown Series started, I had hoped that they would continue to expand on it every year and turn it into something like the Dakota Mod Tour. Um, my thing with specials is you start somewhere, and each year you make it better. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. But as far as car count, I mean, at the 10,000 to win show, I, the car count has been pretty consistent at 70 to 80, 85 uh, modifieds every year. Yeah, and the reason I ask that is, is uh, Terry Volts over at the Brown County Speedway in Aberdeen, they brought back this past year the Dakota Rumble, 10,000 to win, I believe 1,000 to start kind of some stipulations in there, but needless to say, 10 grand a big time show. And this is kind of a tough year to go off of because it was COVID. 
it was right at the early onset of the season starting for people. So a lot of the Wisconsin, a lot of the northern Minnesota guys said, now nah, we're not heading over there. And But they they literally only had that show. And in years past, you know, they had two or three shows leading into that. So I remember people like Harry Hansen and Provenzino and Peterland. And, you know, they, they'd kind of make a trip over there and they'd kind of hit all them shows because it's tough to make a long distance trip for one event. Right, but if right. you can make a long distance event hit three, four or five shows in a row, it, it's like, Hey, this is, we're going to plan our summer around this. this is going to, we're going to take, you know, if you work for somebody, you plan your vacation around that week. Right. You know, because it seems like there's a special every week somewhere. Right. But having these little mini series that are three, four five nights in a row, that's fun. You know, because it's, there's just, there's a lot more to it than just the racing. And it reminds me like of the Superstock series. They go back to back weeks and they have three nights. This year, they didn't have Sunday stuff, but it's supposed to be three nights one week, four nights the next week. And night one to night four, I mean, there's people that are partying, hanging out. It's the after the races, people getting together. It's that kind of stuff that I love. It's kind of, you know, the, that makes it a lot more fun than just a race. And, and, uh, one thing I know about Brainerd, one thing I know about Princeton is they have that atmosphere pretty regularly anyway, you know, so that could be, I think this is going to be a hell of a good deal um, for, for those and good to see that uh, Granite City jumping on board, kind of capping out the week with a Sunday deal there, a lot of money on the line. Hopefully it goes good, not only for the drivers, the fans watching this, the sponsors, but that's a lot of money on the line for a racetrack. Oh, I mean, yeah. There are some big purses. <laughs> so I really hope it works out well for them that they can at least at least profit a little bit. I mean, I can tell you this. Cliff Sasker is not in the business, and neither is, neither is Trantina. They're not in the business of going, hey, we're going to have these events because we want to get rich. They already got businesses. They're already successful in life. They don't need the money. They don't need it, right? They're doing it because they love racing. They're doing it because they want to give back. They're doing it because they enjoy it. And they're doing it because they know what it takes to make racing happen. And if they can put more money on the line and give back to the sport, and they can at least break even, they're happy as all hell. So pretty excited for that deal. And, you know, <clears throat> I guess we'll end there. Episode 56 in the books. And, you know, like we said, Thanksgiving coming up here on Thursday. Uh, I personally want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. <clears throat> I'm not even going to say be safe because this whole like not visiting your family during Thanksgiving just is stupid, right? It just is what it is. Just, uh, I, I read something on Facebook today. It says, this is actually pretty good stuff. It said on Facebook, it says, if you look across the street at your neighbor's house and they happen to have 20 vehicles in their driveway on Thanksgiving and you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I should report these people. I should call the cops. Get up walk to the refrigerator, open it up, get yourself a big old glass of ice cold milk and drink it down. Why? Because it's good for your teeth. You know what else is good for your teeth, Bert? <laughs> Minding your own freaking business. Don't be turning in your neighbors, right? Have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Uh, Bert, any, any closing thoughts on your end? Yeah, I, I just want to wish everybody happy Thanksgiving. And yeah, I know we're being inundated with advice to, uh, you know, stay home, you know, don't celebrate with family, just be safe, celebrate with family if you want to celebrate with family. I mean, we do live in the United States of America, so just remember that. Um, but yes, take precautions and 
you know, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Absolutely. <laughs> so a little cough there. Okay. Uh, it is perfectly okay. Don't be scared, right? But uh, the fact is, uh, like Puka always says, go out there and be your dreams. Thanks for tuning in. We're the one to go. So I'm Ryan. That's Bert. We'll see you guys next week.